0: This is MSCI Perspectives, your source for insights for global investors and access to research and expertise from across the investment industry. I'm your host, Adam Bass, and today is January 21st, 2021. This week, China may not be the first place you think of when someone utters the words tech innovation, right? I mean, China's the world's factory, good at assembly, great at scale, but high tech? Give me Silicon Valley or give me, well, maybe not death, but not China either, right? Today's story is one about misperceptions. So we're going to be talking about China Tech, and we have a special guest to help us do so.
1: My name is Nina Xiang. I'm the founder of China Money Network. We are a data and media platform tracking China's venture capital and technology sector.
0: Before we talk China Tech specifically, we're gonna need to talk about the Chinese economy. Compared to the rest of the world, it has weathered the pandemic fairly well, in part because of the way that China reacted to the outbreak of COVID-19. Here's Nina's rather unique and personal take.
1: In the beginning of 2020, we actually moved from Hong Kong to the greater DC area. In early February, everything was just um, getting really intense in China, Uh, You know, we flew in and then when we got to the airport, uh, we just threw away our mask and we're like, hooray, we're away from the virus, Uh, no need for masks, you know, freedom. We were so happy. Starting in March, everything just started spreading very rapidly uh, in the US and we end up, you know, until now still battling uh, the virus. But in China... Where, you know, my family lives and where my former colleagues, they pretty much returned to normal uh, or sometime around late March. People were going to movies, people were able to fly to travel, um, uh, restaurants um, are open, everything was, you know, opening up. A two-month period, the virus was put down in China very effectively, even though obviously the, the method was brutal.
0: Brutal? Maybe. Effective and efficient? Absolutely. You could say that China was able to scale its virus response, much the same way that they've been able to scale production capacity across industries, but especially in manufacturing. Maybe that's not a coincidence. More on that later. For now, it's important to note one of the effects of China's quick suppression of the virus.
1: China ended up being the only major economy growing this year companions to all the other economic um, powerful countries are suffering uh, declines.
0: We're all used to hearing about China's role as factory for the world. But in many ways, COVID-19 shut down demand globally. How did China continue to grow while every other major economy was in decline? I think there are a few things, right? That's Wei, MSCI's head of China research.
2: The so-called 13th five-year plan that uh, basically started in
0: 2016,
2: that ends last year, China really sets its focus into domestic consumption plus technological innovations, right? And um, the last year is basically a demonstration of that uh, domestic focus.
1: Many people may not be aware that domestic consumption is actually a big part of China's growth nowadays. We remember in the you know 2000s and 2010s, early part of 2010s, we had this talk all the time about how China should rely less on export and investment and more on domestic consumption. That transition actually happened. Uh, consumption uh, contributed to about 58 percent of China's growth in 2019. 58 percent is a very significant proportion of
2: the economy. During the past few years, China already become a middle-income country in terms of GDP per capita. And that uh, per capita consumption growth is maintaining like uh, double-digit goals, right, Uh, during the past uh, three to four decades. And um, that that consumption transformation has significant meaning for the country as a whole in terms of economic positioning.
0: Like the response to the pandemic, this transformation, this new growth, it starts at the top.
1: I feel there are three uh, places we can look at specifically for the growth. Uh, One is the the policy support uh, in China that focuses on building up a digital economy infrastructure. This is one of many uh, government policies in China that focuses on uh, technology and innovation, you know, especially since the past decade, uh, the focus on Chinese government to push innovation and technology has intensified, partly because the old way of economic growth was not sustainable, and partly because China has entered the stage where it must move up the value chain, and technology and innovation is a key in that. The latest policy initiative is called the New Infrastructure Initiative. The Chinese government really pushed uh, this policy to the forefront during the pandemic uh, last year. It basically calls for the government to spend over one trillion U.S. dollars to invest in anything that's going to support the future digital economy.
0: And what might be included in the digital economy?
1: 5G networks, data centers, Artificial intelligence,
2: the green technology, the automations, machinery, cloud
1: computation. Just think about if you go to China nowadays, you fly into the brand new airport, uh, you go take a ride on a high speed rail train, which is, you know, fascinating. You know, the infrastructure in China, it's a hard the hardware, the traditional infrastructure, they're incredible. As we move forward. The new type of, you know, the new economy infrastructure, you know, 5G networks and AI and smart cities and all that, you're going to see China uh, move up uh, and on that track very quickly too.
0: While doing my research for this piece, I came across an interesting quote from Nina herself, and I decided while we were talking to throw it out there for her to respond to. Sometimes this goes well with guests, other times not so much, but here we go. I'm going to quote you to you um, here uh, from a, a talk I heard you give earlier this week that Chinese consumers, uh, when it comes to autonomous driving, you, I think you said 72% were excited in China about it versus 70% in the West not trusting it. Those That's a startling difference.
1: That's yes, exactly. <laughs> I think in the data you just mentioned, it's just... Uh, very indicative indicative of, of the kind of acceptance that exists in China versus a type of resistance in other markets. So I, I feel like maybe Chinese consumers for my generation, we sort of come from an age of um, relatively lacking material possessions, you know, when I was a child and and we you know come into a place of wonderful possibilities and therefore we're very accepting of of new products. Um and not to mention the past uh, forty years in China have really seen really momentum changes in every aspect of, of life and economy. So I think the customers are used to, you know, being challenged with new things and they're used to being you know, seeing everything change overnight. So that's why they're so quick in adopting mobile payment. They're so quick in using your phone to, 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 to unlock a, a bike on the street and ride it.
0: Zhen Wei agreed.
1: Yeah, I think
2: there are various studies that um, the Chinese consumers are more willing to test new forms of technology that matters to their daily lives, right? That's, uh, I think that's basically supported by the fact that China has the world's largest internet users, the largest populations of world's usage of telecom infrastructure, right? The the, the smart mobile phones, for example. And that basically uh, building the foundation for the consumer to better interact to various, uh, you know, mobile-based, internet-based, and even other type of interface consumer technologies.
0: And that 5G-connected, mobile, early adopter spirit can enable China to do some pretty incredible things. And I mean things beyond what we always hear about. I'm not talking here about super apps that let you take out small business loans while ordering food and reserving a car to take you home the next day. I mean things like
1: smart manufacturing, which means, you know, making the whole manufacturing much more intelligent and smart, more efficient. Um, or smart logistics think about how the whole logistics sector uh, being more efficient assisted with drones and robots, the warehouses much more intelligent moving products much more uh, rapidly you can get your packages much faster or to you know um, industrial robots uh, where China is of, of course uh, the number one country in terms of installed uh, industrial robots and we see that as having a lot of growth potential as well. Uh, Technology is going to um, come in and disrupt and make everything much more intelligent and much more uh, efficient and therefore more competitive. And everything is reinforcing each other. So, you know, remember we talked about the new infrastructure initiative for the 5G networks, the data centers, the AI tools and platforms That's going to make the industrial internet or smart factories much more easier to build because you have this very good infrastructure there to assist you. And then the smart factories are going to make Chinese products, uh, you, you know, the whole production process much more efficient and their products much more competitive. And that in turn would allow Chinese companies being able to invest into more technology and innovation. So it's like a virtual cycle.
0: And smart cities.
1: A uh, smart city is something that has been uh, deployed and being pushed out, you know, across the country rapidly already. And, and China is going to spend uh, tens of billions of dollars on, on this initiative. Um, I actually visited Alibaba's center where they they hosted the so-called city brain system in uh, in one of their halls. We were basically looking at a huge screen. Think of it as like a sci-fi movie control center type of you know scene. You have a huge floor-to-wall screen and you're able to see the map of the city and you can zoom into certain places, you can see how traffic our uh, traffic is flowing. Uh, You can see certain congestion in certain places. You can see fire stations uh, where they are, and you can see potential problems or there is an accident um, on the road. I'm actually quite excited about the smart city becoming materialized because, you know, one of the examples is uh, uh, traffic lights can become much more uh, intelligent. They can be assisted with um, AI vision. So nowadays, basically, You know, when I drive every day, I have to wait very often at a red light, even though there is absolutely zero car. And I always tell my children, I said, well, when you grow up, this will never happen, hopefully.
0: Much of what we're talking about here is application. And as Nina says.
1: For thousands of years, China has been pretty good in uh, technology applications.
0: But what about fundamental research? the original thinking and often slow, grinding work that leads to these kinds of breakthroughs in the first place, the kind of thinking most people associate more with Silicon Valley.
1: So overall, i like to use maybe three words to describe or to answer this question, which is scale, speed, and gap. So when you think about China Tech, remember that the industry leads in terms of scale and speed, uh, which means its growth rates are very, very rapid as compared to many other countries. But remember the gap part. China is very good at application. The process of turning 1 to 100, it is relatively lacking in the original um, uh, technological breakthrough um, aspect um, or the process from 0 to 1. So take the AI sector, for example the whole AlphaGo frenzy was uh, came out from a British uh, research lab. But Chinese companies were able to quickly turn that technology into a lot of real-life applications. And we see Chinese companies quickly developing very effective commercial products and deploy them rapidly and grow, you know, many unicorns um, uh, in that sector. We don't really, you know, we haven't really seen a fundamental technological breakthrough coming from a Chinese entity yet. Why is that? Let's first recognize that it's a long process. Uh, If you look at the AI space, again, as an example, the deep learning uh, method that was pioneered by a number of AI researchers, they have been working on it for nearly two decades. I feel like Uh, Patience is really, really not the the thing that people in China are good at. Uh, Investors want quick returns, and entrepreneurs want to become the number one company in two years. So you see a lot of that. So, you know, the whole mentality is about speed, is about overtaking, taking over everything.
0: It's hard to overcome that gap without the patience to carry out that fundamental research. And that's what led China to fall behind other advanced economies in some pretty critical areas.
1: Let's look at semiconductors manufacturing. Um, Currently, the leading Chinese semiconductor manufacturing company, uh, SMIC, they're moving on to um, 14 nanometer processes. The globally leading company, TSMC in Taiwan, uh, they're already on to 5 nanometer and moving on to 3 nanometer processes. So China is about uh, uh, several generations behind.
0: And because China is still reliant on external inputs for advanced manufacturing as well as other processes, those deficits can be exacerbated greatly by external instability, trade wars, for example. That's why, according to Zhen, the Chinese government is focusing more on building up its domestic production as well as research and development capabilities, or R&D.
2: One also interesting trend that's emerging is that a lot more talent used to work uh, in the Western countries, right, for the R&Ds. They moved back to China, right, during the past few years. And this trend accelerates, I think.
0: He went on to state the
2: idea that it it is not true China cannot do this zero-to-one innovation. It has a lot to do with the type of talent And, and, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with uh, R&D spending and um, technological research environment. So if you look at um, the uh, absolute levels in nominal dollars, right, of R&D spending, China is already world's number two, you know, uh, just behind the United States, right? But if you count in, for example, purchasing power uh, comparison, China is already bigger.
1: The biggest risk will be uh, the kind of geo uh, geopolitical uncertainties, you know, we have seen in the past uh, uh, few years. That gives the whole industry much much higher uncertainty, and that's what markets don't like, as you know. So it's very very disruptive to the whole industry's growth. Uh, what happened to to Huawei? Basically its growth path was significantly disrupted and uh, reversed in certain places. It was actually uh, able to design quite advanced chips before the export ban, and now it sits in limbo. But uh, it's not a risk that could really uh, fill out the whole uh, thesis we laid out earlier. Even if, let's consider the worst case scenario, there is a complete decoupling between the US and China. China tech sector will still manage to to grow very rapidly and to grow to be some of the um, biggest and also relatively leading um, market positions in many different sectors. Not to mention China still has opportunities uh, for its international expansion and not to mention China's incredibly large-sized domestic market, the engine of China uh, developing its own certain uh, critical sectors like semiconductor, uh, like its own ecosystem in terms of uh, operating systems and other key um, supply chain security elements. I feel that engine has started and it's unlikely to be reversed. So China is likely to continue pushing on that direction.
0: That's all for today. Our thanks to Nina and Jen and to all of you for listening. If you'd like more details on China tech, you can catch a replay of a recent webinar called Seizing the Opportunity, Capture the Growth Potential of China's New Economy. That's available at MSCI.com. Next up on Perspectives... The world seems serious this time about combating climate change, including the new occupant of the U.S. White House. We'll look into what that and other ESG trends may mean for investors in 2021. Until then, I'm your host Adam Bass, and this is
1: MSCI Perspectives. Stay safe, everyone.